Alright, you ready? Yes. What's up? That was poorly timed drum roll right when it started. Okay. What's up and welcome back to the Well That's Good Podcast. This is your co-host, Christian Huff, the better half of my wife, Sadie. Now that was a bad start. Now that was a... Everyone's going to roast you that you just called yourself the better half. No one's going to roast me. I'm roasting you right now. Yeah. Well, hello, everybody. I hope that you guys are having a great summer. Right now, we are currently pre-recording this podcast to go live right after both of our birthdays because it's our birthday week. So at this point in life, we will have already had our baby, which is crazy. So if you're listening to this and you're like, why are they not talking about you know their new baby? Why are they not talking about you know, all the things that are actually happening in our life, it's because we recorded this before all of that happened. So I hope you're enjoying my mom hosting the podcast. She is the best. And we just want to do a little birthday episode because we love birthdays. Birthdays mean a lot to us. And I know birthdays um, can sometimes be actually like a weird conversation for people. Um, People get really freaked out about aging. People get really frustrated about birthdays in general. People feel like birthdays sometimes are a reminder of Uh, what they don't have rather than all the things that they do have and so I was like I would love to get to do a birthday podcast with you your birthday was June 9th mine was June 11th Uh together we decided our birthday is June 10th uh, and today's June 14th that's true here we are so here we are talking about birthdays was the birthday episode your idea or my idea it definitely was not your idea I thought I thought it might have been my idea no no it was not your idea Uh, 100% But but I will say, going back to birthdays, this kind of goes all the way back to before we were dating. You actually tried to get the hookup with me. I did. By telling my sister that we have a birthday two days apart. And you were like, hey, Bella, you should tell Sadie that we could have a combined birthday party together. I did. Well, I thought it would be a sweet... uh, This is before we knew each other. Yeah, before we knew each other. Well, yeah, I know you. I knew you. Um, you knew of me. I knew of you. Uh, yeah, but my birthday was June 9th. It always has been. And uh, your birthday is June 11th, and it always has been. And I was like, it really would be a good idea. I was pitching it. What if we did a birthday party, like, like a combined birthday party? Maybe this could be our... And why did, why did you tell Bella that? Well, because I thought it would be a good segue to meeting you. And um, I just thought it just felt right, you know? You thought she might be like, Sadie, this guy Christian that I know has a birthday June 9th. Which, have you ever heard of like the foot in the door policy? No. So it's when you, it's when oh, you, yes, yes. yeah, so it's when you do something like outlandish, like you pitch something outlandish and then they kind of like settle on something maybe that's actually feasible. Yeah. So it's like if I have this big elaborate birthday plan that ends up not happening, but then maybe I just get to meet you in the process of planning for the birthday party. Yeah, that's smart. So basically, it'd be like if I come in and I'm like, I want, you know, I asked for like a hundred thousand dollar raise, but really I just want like a ten thousand dollar raise. Then a hundred thousand dollars seems so outlandish that when I when it when we really settle on ten, that's really just what I wanted. But I wanted to get your mind in another spot. <laughs> wow, you were really working it way back in the day. No, I literally just had that thought. That's smart. You were you were working it. So he throws out this idea that we should have a combined birthday party. Of course, Bella never mentions that to me. But what's really sweet about the whole thing is even though that was not mentioned to me, fast forward a couple years later. Two years later. Two years later. And on June 9th, what do we do? We, we had got, the best combined no. birthday party ever, and we got engaged. And we got engaged. So your plan actually might have been prophetic. 
It might have been. It might have been. It was actually really, really sweet. So like I said, I love birthdays. I've always loved planning parties for birthdays. My mom would always say like the month after my birthday, I'd be planning it for the next year. And it really is true. And I'm kind of like that now with Honey. Like I've been planning her party for the last couple of months. And, um, you know, it's in May. It's currently the end of March when we're filming this podcast. And I just love it. I just love to like celebrate and do fun things. And so... For our birthday, it was like the best party ever. We planned the Summer Olympics for all of our friends. We had about 40 of our friends come from, my friends came from Nashville, his, his friends came from Auburn, we had friends in Louisiana, we had your family from Florida. I mean, we just had like uh, all of our people in one place. Pot. And honestly, I did not think we were getting engaged in because Christian had always said that like he wanted it to be like a little bit more of a private setting. And I was saying, like, I wanted it to be more people, but you were like, I wanted it to be like me and you, but then we can like go see everybody after. And I just didn't, I just did not think you would do it then just because like everybody was there. It still baffles me that you did not know that was happening. I know. I don't know how I did not know. I think because I got my hopes up so many times at that point, I was like, I'm not going to overthink this. This is not it. And so we played this like Summer Olympics games. It was so fun. I mean, highly recommend that for a birthday party. We're all like in our 20s too, which is like hilarious because you would think we were 12 by some of the things that we did and the intensity we did them with. But all day we just like competed and it came to this like climax, this ending that was hilarious. I had like planned this out literally on a white race board for like days. I like I, I thought this really through. Mm-hmm. So basically I had this obstacle course throughout like our entire neighborhood and you had to carry an egg, classic, don't break the egg kind of thing. And um the egg started at one house and then you would do a task there and then you'd go to the next and you would do a task there and then you'd do the next and so on and so forth. And so, like, for instance, at one house, there was a tennis court. And so, you know, you had to hold the egg, but you had to make a left-handed or the opposite of what you are, uh, tennis serve in the box. Then you would run the egg to the next place, which happened to be like a little uh, putting, like golf course thing. Actually, it wasn't putting. It was like a you had to drive. It you had to drive, drive it. So then you had to make that in the hole. Then you had to bring the egg to the next house, which had a pool where you had to dive in, swim, get this little like thing at the end of the pool, you know, go to the next house, which also had a pool, go dive through that pool, get the next thing. And this is all like team. So you're passing the egg. Then the egg finally makes it to this house where then you have to cook the egg for someone to eat and approve of your egg. And they had to run to this bridge where then we were where we had to jump off the bridge into the pond, get on a floating unicorn. I know this sounds like a dream. It doesn't even sound real. I mean, because it's so bizarre. And me and Christian and all these other people who are on the unicorn. I mean, we are paddling. It came down to the last second. We're paddling as fast as we can. We all get to the sandbar. And at this point, everybody on your team had to get to the sandbar for you to run up the hill to go underneath the like big finish line and i'm not kidding 40 of our friends in our 20s some in their 30s are booking it and we are hauling as fast as we can up this hill everyone is sweating we're muddy we have like i mean it's just crazy and guess who's team one we did crazy Um, sometimes i forget we were on the same team 
Why? Because, I don't know, just competing against each other. No, I remember. It was our birthday. We could we had to win together or lose together. And we won, thankfully. And then I'll never forget. It was so funny. So after that, I guess, well, whenever we did the whole unicorn thing. Well, we also got matching shirts. So we had <laughs> we had made, like, two sets of shirts for, like, it, we, we took a picture before with, like, a sad face and, like, a happy face. And if your team won, you get the shirt with the happy face. It was like it was colorful, whatever. And then if you lost, your team got the uh, like the sad shirt. With, it was like black and <laughs> so white. So extra. We planned every detail of this party. Like it was so fun, and people wore those shirts for a long time. They kind of uh-huh. faded out. But anyways, um, it was so fun. And then after it, we had just gone out of the pond because we were the unicorn people, and I like that did kind of hurt whenever we rolled out of the unicorn. And I think you had told me that you hurt your ankle. And I was like, oh, like, I'm hurting too. Let's go sit down for a second. So Christian, we go get ice, I remember. We went and got ice. And we are like, sitting down for your ankle. We are like, sitting down. And all of a sudden, like, no one was there. Like, it was, like, weird. Like, everyone was gone. And everyone, I guess, went to get ready for the night. And it's just me and Christian sitting there. And Christian just starts getting so nervous. And when Christian gets nervous, he stutters. <laughs> you do. <laughs> and so he starts like... I have a stuttering problem anyways. Yeah. You, no, you really don't though. It's just when you get nervous. Well, I, sometimes. So he starts like stuttering. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I start looking around. Like I'm literally looking for a camera. I'm like, is he about to propose to me right now? And like I had the most vain thought. I was like... I just got out of the pond. Like, my hair looks terrible. I have mud on me. This is, oh, man. I have, like, this champion tank top on. I was just thinking, like, okay, whatever. It's not about the way I look. It's fine. This is this is awesome. And then you don't, like, say that. You, like, say something else. And then you uh-huh. were like, you should go get ready. And you should go put on your favorite outfit you've ever worn in your life. And I yeah. was just like... O-M-G. So then I go upstairs. Keep in mind, I say all this while I'm faking an ankle injury. Yeah, that was kind of funny. And I see my ankle. Pretty savage. So I go upstairs and like his mom's there, my mom's there, my sister's. And at this point, it was like, everybody was like freaking out. And it was so sweet and you were so intentional. And I have to say like one of my favorite things about the way you planned for our engagement is whenever we got in the car, Christian had gotten all my family to write letters to me. And it was, like, the most kind and thoughtful thing and just, like, made me feel so loved in that moment. And I think, like, yes, that moment was about me and you, but for you to, you know, allow my family and your family to speak words of life and encouragement over us in our relationship was just super affirming because that was something I really desired in marriage is for our families to love each other and for, you know, our families to approve of our relationship. And I know not every situation is going to be like that. And some of you out there have maybe a hard relationship with the um, family that you join into. And Mm -hmm. that is tough. And there are reasons for that sometimes for sure. But for us, like that was something that we worked hard towards. And so to see that, you know, come to life on that day, which is like a really peaceful thought. And it was really sweet. And 
I wanted to actually read an insert from my book, Live, because I talk about birthdays in it and I talk about how words of life can really just like change things because sometimes birthdays are super fun and super extra. Like we just shared, ours was a couple years ago and sometimes they are not fun at all. And sometimes they, you know, it's your birthday and it doesn't feel like your birthday. It's your birthday and it's a reminder of what you don't have instead of the things that you do have. And so this is a little bit long, but... Um, it's a pretty cool story and it's from the chapter literally called happy birthday in my book live it says one time I planned a birthday party for a very good friend someone I loved dearly as her birthday drew near she made it clear that she was not excited about this one the closer it got the sadder she became until she eventually told me to call up the party when I asked her why she said I just don't feel like my life is worth celebrating. I was crushed that she felt that way, but I went ahead and canceled the party to honor what she wanted. Just to keep things real with you, I need to tell you that I was angry about this. Not angry with her, but angry at the lie that the enemy had convinced her to believe. Kind of like the anger I had when Christian used to say that he sucked. My friend is an incredible person, and the enemy has blinded her, too, that on her... Are you laughing at what I said? Well, yeah, because I still say I suck sometimes. I need you guys stop saying that. My friend is an incredible person, and the enemy had blinded her to that on her birthday. She was so special in so many ways, but she ended up in a funk, feeling alone and unlovable. Then, making things worse, she didn't allow her friends to be with her and show her how much she really is loved. Sometimes we dig our own pits. She's the kind of friend who is the life of everyone else's party, but when it comes to her own party, she did not feel worth celebrating. On the day of her birthday, I had no idea what to do. On one hand, I wanted to honor her request and ignore the day, but on the other hand, I wanted her to know she was loved and at least worthy of a gift. I prayed about it and asked God what to do. By the way, nothing is too silly or simple to pray for. He's so in the details. Then I got an idea. I gave her two cards. She opened the first one, which on the outside said, this is a card about nothing. On the inside, I simply wrote, love you, Sadie, and added the date. It was almost as bad as someone replying K to a text message. When she opened it, I said, this is to honor the day that you wanted to have. She read it and laughed sarcastically. When I gave her the second card, which was a, more like a mini journal, I said, this is to honor you as a friend. On the front of it, it said, what if? On the first page, I wrote... What if you saw yourself in the way everyone else around you sees you? Then I can promise you that you would know how worth the celebration you are. That day happened to be her 31st birthday. So in the card, I wrote a list of 31 reasons why I wanted her to be celebrated. She read it and wept. She later told me that on the night of her birthday, she read over all 31 reasons why she was worth celebrating and said that it was the first night of her life that she had realized and believed that she is lovable. Remember, friends, words do have the power of life. Go on to tell a story of another friend who didn't want to celebrate her birthday because she um, had someone pass in her family and how it's really hard to feel like celebrating when your life doesn't feel like it's worth celebrating or things in your life don't feel worthy of celebration. But I think that celebration goes so much beyond a feeling of fun or excitement. The celebration is really a discipline, you know, to shift mm -hmm. your perspective to what is worth celebrating. And I think life in and of itself is worth the celebration always because life is a gift and it's given from God who is the creator of the universe, who is love himself. So therefore, if you have life, that means you're loved. If you have life, that means you have purpose. If you have life, no matter what the past year of your life has looked like, that means that there is something 
that God still has for you, that there's a reason why you have breath in your lungs. And it was just so cool to see that friend at 31, you know, go from this place of feeling unlovable, unworth celebrating that she literally canceled her party to two years later on her 33rd birthday. She ran a marathon because she was so grateful for the life she had and the breath she had in her lungs. And it's just the power of words, you know, words change things. Words of life change things. And so you gave me the gift of words on our birthday, not just from my family, but from you. You gave me the gift of a promise. You gave me all these gifts. And it means so, so, so much. You know, when I think back to that birthday, yes, the Olympic Games were fun, but and it was my favorite birthday ever and one of my favorite days of my life. But I think about the words that were said. I think mm-hmm. about the words that you said to me before you got down on one knee. And so just if you're sitting in a situation in life or you're walking through it with a friend, just don't underestimate the gift of words. You might not know what to give them. There might not be, you know, a Lululemon outfit in the world that can make their birthday better um, because of how bad life is. But the words that you carry and the words that you say are going to be the thing that are going to change people's lives. And so I wanted to read that because I think that, again, birthdays can be hard, but there's a reason why we have such a fun time celebrating them. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why you shouldn't be ashamed to grow a year older. Like, you know, I hear people in their 20s, they feel like they're Wisdom. so old, you know, whenever they turn 25 or whatever. I'm like, I just turned 26, you're turning, I will turn 26, you're turning 25. I don't feel like old at all. I'm like- You are older than me though. I am older than you and that's a fact. Thank you. But I don't feel like old. I actually feel like excited about what's to come. And I think part of that is because I see like my mom and your mom and our grandparents and like they're just, they love life and it makes me excited about Mm -hmm. life, you know? Um, Christian and I, we have these birthday questions that we always ask each other. We've asked each other these questions ever since we started dating. So the past four birthdays, I guess. Uh And um, this is something my friends started. I didn't start this. I learned this from them. But there are four birthday questions that we always ask. And we're going to ask each other this on the podcast. We have not shared each other's answers with each other yet. So it'd be fun to actually think about. But we always ask, what is the what was the peak of the year? What was the pit of the year? What is something that we're leaving behind this year? And what is something that we're taking with us? So, Grisham, why don't you start? What was the peak of this year? That is a very good question. And this is almost like if I had no idea what your typical, like, what's the best piece of advice you've ever had? Because I really have to think about the peak of my year. I've had a lot of peaks and a lot of valleys. So, <laughs> that makes it more peaks if there's more valleys. Okay, can I, can I share a few peaks? Yeah. Okay. Few peaks. Um, <clears throat> passion was one of the peaks this year for me. Um, getting started on our house was a major peak. That was a big peak. That was a big peak. And I would say Norway. Oh, that was so fun. Norway was a big peak. For you, honey, it was so fun. Yeah. But it was fun, like, yeah, getting to travel um, and also just all the things that God did in our life this year. I feel like you really grew our faith and moments that uh may be mentioned in the pit um but yeah i would say the peak was would, was those were those few things it's good i love that my peak this year which again we could say so many different things but i think when i think about the year and things that stood out to me was definitely Ella sister conference last year because it was like such a answer to so many prayers for so many years that, a, yeah, that, that, that i've been praying um with like revival in our city and god doing something bigger than 
what we can expect him to do or even ask for a dream of imagine, pray for him to do. Like God just did it. And it was like so many things we've been working on for years. I've been working towards a conference for years. I've been working towards a LO worship team for years. Like all these things that have been in the works for years, but sometimes like didn't seem like they were going to happen. And, um, like for those who don't really know this, and I don't know that I've ever shared this publicly, but I wanted to do a conference for years. And I had so many people tell me like, absolutely not. Conferences are too hard to do. Conferences don't make money. No one's going to come to a conference in West Monroe, Louisiana. There's so many logistics that aren't going to make sense. There's not enough flights for everybody. There's not enough hotels for everybody. Like It was just like, no, 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 no. But I so felt the Lord put that on my heart to do and specifically to do it here in our hometown because this is where I've been praying um, for years for God to just blow our expectations. And I just love that it's here because it's just like, it's when you do something in a small town with um, even just um, a small thought process and in a sense, I guess just small minded in a sense, I think it just makes God look so much bigger Mm -hmm. because it's like, Okay, because some of those things were true. Like, yeah, we like, didn't have flights. There no, like that all is <laughs> true. Like, all of those things are true. That is like very much fact. Like, yeah. people were not crazy for telling me this is a bad idea or, or no, but it was like I knew God said do this, and it's so cool to see that like God did not size down to our town or size down to our thinking or size down to our logistics. Like God was as big as can be, as big as he is, right in the mix of our small town. And Mm -hmm. that was just really cool. And um, there was a moment at conference specifically where Taya um, was like leading worship. And she was supposed to go into the song, Build My Life. And I knew that because I knew the set list. And she'd start singing a little worship song open. And she'd only heard that song the night before. It was so unexpected. And here, all of a sudden, Taya is not only singing, like, she is leading, like, open. And all of these girls are, like, singing open and declaring this over their life. And I'm sitting backstage, and I'm like, just could not stop crying. And I remember Emily Volgatan, who was standing right beside me, looked at me. She goes, why are you crying? She said, is it because... Taya is leading an LO worship song at LO conference in your hometown. I was like, yep, that is it. That is exactly why I'm crying. And it was just one of those moments where you just are like, God, this is only you. This could only be you. Um, so that was definitely a peak moment of the year for me. Yeah. And so much happens in a year. I forget about all I know, that isn't stuff. That, crazy? that was a big peak. Yeah. And you and Honey were there and all of our friends and family. And that was another thing that was cool is all of our friends and family were there. Like I looked around and in the choir was like my grandma and on the worship team were like some of my friends since I was babies like baby friends you know and then will my brother and uh, my mom was helping lead a breakout session laney was leading a breakout session you and dad i mean there was like all of our family and friends like pouring into this mission and vision for like girls to be on fire for god Mm -hmm. and it's just like it was amazing it was beautiful our church was there serving like it was just so cool that was 100 a peak 100 so now we talk about the pit Womp womp. But here's the cool thing about talking about pits and why we always bring up the pit. Not armpits, but pit pitfalls. True, true. We don't need to talk about armpits. No. 
Unless you want to talk about native deodorant. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Which <laughs> we'll you do say I smell bad right now. <laughs> yeah, and you probably should put on some native deodorant. But that's not the kind of pit we're talking about. We're talking about the kind of pits that are like the worst thing that happened in the year. But the reason we do talk about this on our birthday is because it actually really is cool to look back and to see some of the things that you went through that are really hard that God brought you through. Or even just openly talk about some things that are really hard that you're still walking through and like bringing in someone into that mm-hmm. picture. And so I feel like sometimes like when we do the peak in the pit, especially when we're at dinner with people, they're like, oh, like, I don't want to go too serious. And it's like, no, like, it's good to talk about that because you can talk about what God brought you through. And we definitely Mm -hmm. had some major pits this year. Major pits. I wonder if right now you could like enter like, like the, like the wah, wah, wah. Maybe we could do that in yeah. post. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe we could get that edited. In. I don't think we should take this part out because this is real and this is organic. Okay, wah, wah, wah. Okay, uh, our pit. Um, well, we were in the pit together and it's the same pit. So I feel like we can both talk about the pits. Yeah. Do you want me to go? Well, we, yeah, you can start and I'll, uh, I'll intertwine. Okay, so this story we have not shared publicly besides I shared it at If Gathering this year. and um, Which I don't think we should share it too, too publicly. Yeah, we're not. I shared it at If Gathering this year in um, a vague way, and I'll, we'll share it again in a vague way because it's kind of just our story and um, needs to just be a little bit more private. But I shared it at If Gathering. It still hasn't been posted online um, to my knowledge yet, but I think it is important to share to some degree because – I think sometimes we have this balance, or Christian and I, where it's like we want to share the hard stuff because we don't want you to think that our life is perfect because it in no way is. And it's not that we're not sharing the hard stuff to protect some kind of image, but sometimes we don't share some of the hard things that we walk through for literal like protection of our family. Um, because when we share a hard thing, we know it's going to be on every headline. It's going to be all out there. And then people are subject to you know, just hearing a story from a headline and not hearing it from us. And so when we're more private with things, it's coming from a place of protection. And in this case, certainly protection because it had to do with our daughter. So um, long story short and long story protected, Christian and I were out on the passion tour and um, some of you might even, this might be an answer to why we didn't go in the next week of the Passion Tour. We were set to be there a whole other week in all mm-hmm. these cities. We ended up not going. We never said anything about it as to why we weren't there. Um, I hinted at it on Instagram that we went through a hard time and um, we're coming out of it and all this stuff, but never really gave details. And so basically we were out on the Passion Tour when um, my mom and Honey actually were out with us the first start of the week. And then... I was like so sick this pregnancy. I was throwing up all day, every day on the bus. Like it was just really hard. And my mom was like, Sadie, why don't I just take Honey home with me? Because you are like clearly so sick. Like I think it would just help you um, because, you know, if she could take Honey, I could just lay down all day, throw up as much as I needed to, go out, speak at night, come back, lay down. And so I was like, yeah, you know, that might be a smarter decision. So mom takes Honey home. We stay out on the road, and um, it was a night we were in Tallahassee. Christian's family was there. It was honestly one of the best nights of ministry that we had had on the road. I mean, it was just really powerful night, amazing response. I felt like God was really speaking to me, speaking through me, um, and it was just awesome. And then I got a call from my mom right after, and she was like, hey, Sid. like She was pretty calm. She was just like, hey, like, we're going to go ahead and take Honey to the hospital because um, 
we kind of just notice something that we just want to get checked out. And I was like, wait, what? And the reason why I immediately started crying and knew something was wrong is because I'm always the one that thinks we need to go to the hospital. And my mom's always talking me off the ledge like, you don't need to go to the hospital. You're fine. She's fine. All the things. I'm just a little bit more of an overreactor. My mom is very much like chill, like mellow person. And so for my mom to be like, we're taking honey to the hospital, I knew something was wrong enough that my mom is taking her to the hospital. And so anyways, my mom's like assuring me that she thinks she's fine. She was just like, I just would rather get this checked out. So my mom's like sending me videos of honey. She seems totally fine. She's laughing, giggling. So I was feeling like a little bit better, but still just something in my heart was just like, I have got to get home. Like I do not want to be out in the road right now. Now, mind you, we were nine hours away at this point from West Monroe where Mm -hmm. we live. And so we were about to take the bus, not to Westmore, we were about to take the bus to Nashville because like I said, we still had more of the tour to do. But I was like telling Christian, like, I do not want to be anywhere else but home right now. Even if there's nothing wrong with honey, which I hope and expect that there isn't, I would rather just be home and then get home in the morning and then she'll wake up and we'll be with her. You know, whatever. So Christian's like, okay, like if that's what you want to do. And our team was there. We were like, okay, we decided we're going to start driving back to Monroe and go ahead and at least just miss the day in Nashville. So we start driving and about an hour into our drive, my mom calls and this time it's a lot more serious and she's crying at this point. And um, my grandma's crying, two people that I don't see cry a lot. And they're like telling me that honey is now going to have to be air flighted to uh, Shreveport to a different hospital because the situation was actually really bad. Mm. And, um, you know, that's just like the worst phone call ever and um, was extremely scary. And Christian and I were eight hours away with no faster way to get there than to drive through the night mm-hmm. while we didn't know what was going on with our daughter what was going to happen to our daughter and there was a lot of what ifs a lot of unknowns and it was literally the worst night of our life we had um probably more tears than we've ever cried well for sure me i can say um no for sure definitely. yeah for sure uh-huh. uh i was pretty hysterical i was like calling everyone i knew to pray but in doing that i was just so freaked out my friend who was with us was like sadie you're literally gonna pass out if you don't stop and like breathe for a second um and so yeah it was just really dark mm-hmm. and a lot of dark questions a lot of dark thoughts um yeah a lot of just hitting us with a reality that we've never been hit with before and so anyways we end up getting there that morning and um God had done uh, a lot in in the situation and she was at a good place and a, a lot of the fears that we thought might happen weren't going to happen. And although we were so grateful for that and we were so grateful to see her and see her healthy and see her, you know, healing, um, it still left us with just like a lot of doubt in our faith, honestly, and frustration and I had never walked through that kind of like doubt and frustration with God before. Um, I don't really get mad at God. I'm, I'm definitely like a defender of my people. And I can always kind of like defend for the good. Mm-hmm. One of my friends or my family or my people, you can tend to lend a little bit more towards that anger, righteous anger. Um, and I just hadn't. But in this yeah. moment, like I was, and that kind of came from a year of. I was about to say, yeah. Because this, this moment was kind of like the climax of like... A year. A, yeah, a year of 
because <clears throat> it was it was one of those things where like we had said every time we had gone to do something ministry like traveling something bad had happened uh 90% of the time it landing on honey uh, it was just it, it was weird it felt like every time like i had a speaking event come up something bad happened to honey or something bad happened to our family uh-huh. one of us got sick one of us got i don't it was it was just weird it was just like call yeah. it coincidental or not it seemed like every time we were doing something good for god something bad would happen to us yeah. that's what it seemed like yeah so that moment was just kind of like the height of yeah like a build up of a year than that kind of being like the the pinnacle yeah um of uh yeah just the terribleness yeah and so i was just like god are you kidding me like why would you do this like uh-huh. why is it that every time i go do something like it seems like for you like something bad happens to us like do you not have our back are you not forced are you not with us like what happened to no being formed against the show or what happened to your strength and our shield like like really just like throwing back at god like who he said he was gonna be and like why why do i not see that right now and mm-hmm. i love david platt said he said you know you have to ask yourself this question in your faith like do you believe that God is good, He is holy, and He is powerful when those attributes of God are not displayed in your current situation? That was very convicting for me because here I am, and I have always believed that He is good, and He is holy, and He is powerful. But right now, I don't see those attributes. So do I really believe it whenever I can't see it? Which, of course, that is faith, right? But it's hard when you're faced with something like that. And I love John Mark Comer says it like this, too. He said, everybody has a public belief, a private belief, and a core belief. Mm-hmm. And your public belief is what, you know, you shout out to the rooftops, you know. Private belief is a little bit more like what you believe when you're at home with your family and you have this core belief and that is what you truly believe when the things you desire and love most are stripped away from you. Mm -hmm. And I think that honestly, I think this is the first time, one of the first times in my life. I I think I could look at it in some other ways and um, maybe there were times like walking throughout fame and some of the, you know, pains of just media and people being rude to you and cancel culture and all that that I've walked through that might have like led me to a core belief moment. But I think that this was the first time that it was as like hard for me because to me, I can take mean comments. I can take, you know, being canceled, whatever. It's not like the end of the world to me, but like my daughter being in pain that's like the worst thing that could happen to me. And so like core belief, what do I believe in this moment? Yeah. And um And we were in the pit for a while. It wasn't yeah, just like and oh, so, it was a super quick turn. No. And so again, like the hospital moment was the hospital moment. We ended up being there for um close to like a week in and mm-hmm. out. Um and that was a lot of wrestling and stuff. And then it led into our home life of this wrestle. And I think it was like super hard for our marriage because Christian and I have always had God as our firm foundation. Like he was the thing that's unshakable. Like that is our core. And that's what our relationship is based on. And when we both begin to like question the character of God, it like made us mm-hmm. like mad at each other, distant from each other, question each other. Like, Everything just got shaky because our firm foundation got shaky, you yeah. know? And, well, and our personalities just handle things differently. Yes. You know, like you get fearful, I get angry, and I need affirmation for the anger, which you weren't giving me, and you needed comfort in your fear, which I wasn't giving you because I was angry. Yeah, we were so just the two, missing each other. Yeah, so the two just, you know, they don't mesh well together when they're not 
performing well. No. In, 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 in those characters. We were not helping each other at all. Like, I, I say this about that situation. You know, when you go through a hard thing together as a couple, it either brings you closer or it kind of separates you. And it began to separate us because we handled that as two individual people and not two are better than one, you know? Like, we are, we were not acting like one, we were acting like two. <laughs> and um, that was really hard. And I remember, though... What began to change for me, and then I want you to share what changed for you, and this is like the beauty of sharing the pit is, you know, you really get to see your testimony. You really get to see what God did. And so, like, we painted the picture of how dark it was, how bad it was, all this stuff. And, again, like, there's so many details. We're not going to share that. Let us to why we were in the, the state that we were in. It'd be a four-hour podcast. We, we oh, my gosh. It would just be a whole, a whole and Sadie, series. Sadie's book would be soaking wet at this point. <laughs> because I'd be crying. Be crying so yeah, I would. So we're not going there. But <laughs> um, I had this moment with God where it was just very honest. And I said to God, you know, I just can't do this anymore. Like, I'm not going to keep doing this ministry stuff, God, if if it means that my family's going to suffer. Like, I just, and, and this is like so, to, I mean, it's so not even biblical what I'm saying, but it was <laughs> emotional. I mean, this is so not what it looks like to I mean, follow. Don't judge us for our pits. This is not, I mean, this is not what it looks like to follow, like, Jesus. Like, Jesus, like, pick up your cross, leave everyone, leave your family, probably leave your mother, like, and yes, like I, I would say that I believe that until I'm in this moment. And now I'm like, this is too much. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like if my family is going to suffer, then like, I don't want to keep going out and speaking. I don't want to write a book. If like, it's going to mean that our marriage is going to struggle. Like, why is it that every time we put something out or we do something, it seems like we get attacked. Like, I, I mean, we're praying for your protection. Where are you? This like whole thing. And so I said, God, like, I know I remember I said this just like that. So I know you say to count the cost. But if she's the cost, if this is the cost, I, I can't do it. And immediately I felt, there's it's two times in my life I have felt the Lord respond in this way. And both times it has completely shifted my perspective of who God is. And I felt the Lord say, I understand. And it was like the most empathetic, heartfelt, believable understanding and the reason that I felt the Lord said that I understand is because as soon as I said it as soon as I was like if she is the cause if my daughter is the cause it's too much for me I realized that like from a father's perspective his son was the cause for me like his son was the cause his ministry led his son to die on a cross. Like he had to allow his son to endure suffering so that I could live with a hope of eternal life. And it was just like the most crazy revelation that I've known my whole life, but it never became so real to me that when my core belief was challenged. Like John 3.16, I have heard it my entire life. I had quoted it. I had preached it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Like I know that verse, but I've always looked at it as like, oh, Jesus endured the cross. Like, thank you, Jesus, that you suffered. But what I've never really put into perspective was, Wow, like from a father's perspective, you gave him mm -hmm. up to do that. Like you did that. And so, you know, having this understanding, this revelation that God is not putting me through this, mm -hmm. but he's actually like walking with me through it. 
like that we do live in an evil and broken world and bad things are going to happen because it's the nature of the world we live in. Like God's not making the bad things happen, but God empathizes with us when we walk through the valley. Like, oh man, I love that verse. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It doesn't say I'm not going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It says I don't have to fear evil. Why? Because he's with me. Mm-hmm. Because his rod and his staff, they comfort me. So this revelation of, I'm going to walk through valleys. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to be in pits. <clears throat> I'm going to have to count the cost. But how much greater will it be in life to count the cost, to walk through the valley, to walk through the pits, knowing that God is with me as a comforter, mm-hmm. than to, to, to walk it without, mm-hmm. you know? And not only a comforter, but one who understands the, the depth of the valley, the mm-hmm. depth of the pit, the, the pain of the cross, the cost that that really means. And so... That that broke me. Um, that began to shift things in me, and you had your own yeah. breaking later. That's good. Yeah, and no, so I had con- con- I conveniently had, or not I had had this plan, but conveniently after about a week and a half after that had happened, I'd had this men's retreat planned um, that I was going on. It was like a lottery system thing that I got it accepted in. And you had gotten that like months ago. That's what I'm saying. It was like, yeah, almost four months before this had happened. Uh, and it's just, that's what I'm saying, it's convenient or interesting that it was a week and a half after uh, the situation. Um, but yeah, going into it, just super hard, hard, uh, hard and hard. Did not really feel like I was going to get anything out of a retreat. Um, you know, I've been on a lot of retreats and I just kind of felt like it was going to be just one of the same old things. Um, and like a day and a half into it, I was on a walk with one of my friends who was there with me. And I said... Like, I really don't see myself leaving here, like, actually impacted by this at all, which is kind of funny. Um, yeah, because, like, I really just did not. You think... didn't really want to be there. Well, well, there was reasons why I did not want to be there. One, because we did not have our, our phones, and I was anxious of, like, if something else happened to Honey, you know, how am I going to know? Because I don't have my phone. I can't text you say, hey, how are things going? Because, you know, didn't have my phone uh, or a watch or anything. Um, so yeah, I just for multiple reasons, just kind of thought like maybe I would skip this one and, you know, reapply for the next, next one or whatever. Um, but yeah, that night after I said that to my friend on our walk, um, yeah, the Lord just really broke me down and really just revealed, um, just anger that I had in that situation and doubt and, uh, yeah, just a lot of... It kind of came from you opening up and sharing with, like, a bunch of men uh-huh. who, like, walked out with you, prayed for you, talked out with you, and um, I will never forget seeing you when you came back from the retreat. Like, you looked different. Like, you looked so light. You had, like, tears in your eyes and the smile. Like, there was a softness uh-huh. about you, and I feel like God really softened your heart. And um, and from the really that day on, like, I, I feel like you've changed mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Um I feel like our marriage since last October, which was like the hardest time we've ever faced in our marriage, October, November, um, to now being the strongest I would say we've ever been mm-hmm. is really because our our faith got shaky, you know, mm-hmm. for a time, um, which pushed us to really answer these like big questions of what do we really believe? Like what is our core belief as a family? And now like, that foundation is more solid than ever mm-hmm. individually and together. For me, I had to like go through some of the hard pit to like find the revelation of who God is. And you had to go through that too to find the revelation of who God is. And 
for us both finding that, it has actually made us as a couple so much stronger. And so, you know, it's one thing to say God's at the center of the relationship, and it's another thing to really live like it. And I feel like we said it for a long time, and in some ways we live like it, but I feel like now there's no question Uh that that is the center. That is the solid foundation. And I feel like there were some messed up things in our thinking that we had to flush out. Mm -hmm. Like, like I said, like this is so not even biblical, but this is what I thought. You know, some of the things that we thought about God, some of the ways that we questioned Him, mm-hmm. um, that we've just shifted in our language. We shifted in our house, and it's made the biggest difference. So, yeah. well, walk I mean, through some peaks, well, walk through just, some pits. Yeah, well, and it's just human, you know. Like if, yeah. if you have an expectation of something and it doesn't, you know, look the way that you think it's going to look, there is disappointment, and it's just what you do with that disappointment, you know, because like 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 we talk about at the end of the day, God's not. Prom like you know sometimes we put our expectations on something that God hasn't promised us, mm-hmm. but we think it's a promise, but it's really just an expectation. Um, and what you do with that disappointment when it does come, because it will come. You know, you are going to be disappointed, but it's you know how do you how do you wrestle with that? Mm-hmm. You know, is there doubt? Is there anger? Is there confusion? Possibly, but you don't um, you know forsake that mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Yeah, I think like for me, it's not that you can't doubt God. He can handle it. It's not that you can't ask the hard questions of God. He can handle it. I mean, we see that throughout David's life. Like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Like there are going to be moments where you feel like that. It's just, I think for me, I don't want every time I have a disappointment in life or something goes wrong for me to immediately go to doubt. Like I want it to go to trust in God uh-huh. of saying like, I don't know why this is happening in my life. I, I, I understand we live in a broken world, but God, like I choose to trust you. And I love Ben Stewart said at Passion that both of us were like, oh, that's so good. Where he was talking about the storm and how when Jesus was on the boat with the disciples and the storm came and they immediately were like so afraid of the storm and they begin to doubt God, like, do you even want us to live and all this stuff? And um, Ben Stewart said it so beautifully when he said, you know, they were more certain about the power of the storm than they were certain of the power of their God and their boat. And Christian and I said after passion, like, we do not want to be a family that's more certain of the power of the storm than we are certain about the power of our God. It doesn't mean that we're still not going to be a little bit, a little bit like, holy cow, there's a storm and this is hard and acknowledge the, the hardness of it or maybe the fearfulness of it. But there's like a deep trust in the fact that like, my God's on the boat, Mm -hmm. you know? And, you know, I don't want to raise my kids in such a way that they're more scared of the storm than they are, like, certain of the power of God in the boat. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we've come through a lot of uh, things like that. So we only have, like, a couple more minutes, and we haven't even gotten the last two questions. These are are two very quick things. Okay. Okay. I'm just going to just bam, bam. What are you leaving behind? Leaving behind. I'm leaving behind anxiety from the pit that we just – talked about for a long chunk of time and i'm taking with me laughter that's good Thank you feel you. like you laugh more this year i don't know i just just felt fitting <laughs> okay that's good well i think that actually is good though that you're living behind anxiety from the pit because that's true like sometimes uh-huh. you go through something in a year and you can carry in the bad things with you to the next year if you don't stop and say like actually that's not coming with me you know like the revelation of how good god is is but the anxiety is staying behind thank so, you that's good 
Okay, I'm leaving behind um, something that I shifted in this year was, remember, I decided that my mind was crazy because my mind was all over the place because I was trying to do 10 million things while also keep up with social media and do all this like stuff for work and be a good mom and be a good friend and be a good wife. And I just always felt like I was just like being pulled in every direction. And I was just like never taking like mental breaks to just let my mind rest because like on to the next thing, on to the next thing. And every time I rested, I was like scrolling social media, which is not restful. And um, I remember I was like, oh my gosh, my mind is just crazy. So I decided to delete social media and um, just like take a year off from scrolling. And it was like the best decision ever because my mind is just so clear. So I'm not saying I'm leaving behind social media or anything like that, but I am leaving behind, no, but I'm leaving behind a scattered mind. Okay. It really is intentional actions. Like it's not always go like social media because I'm obviously going to get social media back because I Uh see it as like a tool for so many good things. But uh, also, I'm like, there's got to be intentionality in your thought process or you will have a scattered mind. You will have an anxious mind. I mean, like, there's so many things in the Bible about think about such things, like set forth on your mind, like all these, like, it there takes intentionality to, like, have good thoughts. And so I'm taking with me that intentionality. I'm leaving behind the scatteredness. Good job, babe. Thanks. Great job. Well, this was a really well. Good this was so episode. great, and we just are so thankful that you, uh, you know, you took the last fifty so minutes to spend your time with us today on your uh, on the on on June June fourteenth. So we love you guys, and uh, I cannot with you. But for real, this actually was really helpful. Even talk it out for us, and if this was for no one but us, then. I'm glad we did it. And I hope that y'all are encouraged. And as your birthday swings around this year, that maybe it'll help you um, get past some of the things that were hard this year and move forward into the future God has for you. And maybe you can leave behind some of the things that have held you down for so long and take with you some of the things that God has been teaching you and instructing you in. And uh, man, we're grateful for the peaks and the pits and all the things in between. And I'm grateful for you. Grateful for you too. You should have You should have just ended it. You shouldn't have asked me to do the ending. You were I way didn't better ask at that. you to do the ending. You were way better at that. I did not I? ask you to do the ending. Well, there was some miscommunication there. <laughs> we love, love you guys. guys. Bye-bye.